Hey, this is Steve with Life Worth Living. The most valuable thing in my life is having the presence of God with me. Uh, His presence whenever I wake up in the morning, when I go to bed at night, 24-7, 365 days a year, no matter if there's problems or good times, uh, God is, is always with me and I value that more than anything else. Well, there's a secret to caring God's presence with you everywhere you go. And I want to share that secret with you. And so uh, listen in and be blessed. Graduation, I was yelling at the top of my lungs in that UTEP, you know, at the Don Haskins Center as if he could hear me, right? <laughs> we were several rows up and I saw him and I'm like screaming at him and yelling at him and just so proud of him. So that's why I'm a little bit hoarse today. But it was interesting as, as I was there, um, you know, we saw the UTEP, the, the uh, President Wilson, the, the, um, the president of UTEP up there. And it was the neatest thought as I was watching her. She did a phenomenal job of kind of key, giving the keynote. And um, I got to thinking, you know, I don't know her. I wish I did know her because I, I admire her. I admired Dr. Natalicio before her. And, but as I was thinking about the fact that I don't know her, she doesn't know me. I wish I did. I, I think she's a wonderful uh, leader and human being. And then it came to me. I know Jesus, though. Like, I know him. I know his name. I know a lot about Jesus. I know him personally. I know him through my experiences. And then I I was sitting there getting all excited about this, and I realized Jesus knows me, too. He knows me by name. We have a personal relationship with one another. I know the highest, greatest being in the universe, and you do, too. That is exciting news, and I'll tell you what, when you know somebody, you're with them, they're with you, you're in their presence, it's absolutely a wonderful thing, and that's what we're going to talk about today, is if, if you'll be a missionary for Jesus, and we're going to talk about what missionary means, if you will be a missionary for Jesus, you will carry his presence with you everywhere you go. Now, the reality is, even if you don't serve as a missionary, and again, we're going to define that. If you don't serve as a missionary, Jesus is with you. But if you really, really want a manifestation of his presence to where you sense his presence and, and, and you, you feel his presence at times, be a missionary. Now, before I even get into this, let me get, just give you some examples. Um, I'm, I'm going to be traveling tomorrow. I'm going to, to Houston. And unfortunately, I'm going to have to rent a car because what I like to do is I like to take an Uber or Lyft from wherever I'm going to the airport to the office that I'm going to be working at. You know why? Because I can be a missionary to the driver. A missionary is somebody uh, who takes the good news of Jesus and shares it with someone else who might, not might, but will benefit from it. Will benefit. Tell people about Jesus, and in doing so, you will be a missionary. I've had so many exciting conversations in like New York or Chicago or some of these bigger cities with somebody who's from Ethiopia, because a lot of those drivers are from out of the country, Ethiopia, or I had a a Somalian driver once, that was pretty exciting. I had uh, an Egyptian driver, and I get to tell them about who Jesus is, 
and it's one of the most thrilling, exciting things. And you see, when you get on the, in the hot center of God's will, all right, where his, his passion is for people, and you share that passion for other people, you are going to have God's manifest presence, the presence, the tangible presence of God with you. Have you ever felt God's presence before? Have you ever sensed God's presence before? I'll tell you what, if you want a double dosage of God's presence, start being a missionary. All right. Now, if you go out to our wall out here, you see that map of the world, and there's all these, these pictures of missionaries, foreign missionaries, most of them. Some of them are here in the United States ministering here to different people, groups here in the United States. But i tell you what, there's foreign missionaries, but then there's you and me, and we need to be missionaries as well. Now, some of us, that might make us a little bit nervous, right? <laughs> We're like, well, I don't like talking to people, and I get nervous whenever I talk to a stranger. Bear with me because we're going to address that issue, okay? So don't clam up on me and say, well, that's not for everybody, Steve, because only extroverts can be missionaries. That's not true, all right? All of us can be missionaries in our own unique, even comfortable ways, all right? A lot of times we talk, you got to get out of your comfort zone, and we do. We've got to break out of our comfort zones. But you know what? God uses us in our comfort zones as well. And that's good news because we're all good at something. We're good at, at a certain way of doing things. Or we're good with certain types of people. And God knows that. He made you the way that you are. You don't have to change. I mean, God is always changing us little by little. But you are who you are because Jesus made you that way. He loves you the way that you are. All right, and he uses you to certain type of people that nobody else can probably get to or reach. And so let's just jump right in here into to Acts 14, leaving off where we left last week. We're going to throw the map up again here little by little so you can kind of see Paul's and uh, I want to say Silas, but it's Paul's and Barnabas's first missionary journey. Look, last week we learned that they left kind of where modern day Syria is here in in Antioch, they sailed across to Patmos. We read about some exciting missionary stories of what took place in Patmos. And then they sailed across the Mediterranean up to, uh, to Perga. And then they went up to Antioch. And I believe that's kind of where we left off. Because then they went over. They went, if I'm east and west, is horrible for me. They went east towards Lyconium. All right? probably butchering that name, but you know, I'm an American, so that's just the way it goes. So here we are in Acts 14. It says in in Iconium, Paul and Barnabas, and it's interesting here that the the, uh, order of these two names switches. Up until now, I'd really been talking about Barnabas and Paul, and, and now all of a sudden we're seeing Paul and Barnabas, and I'll tell you what, Sometimes you have something inside you that burns and you just want to take control and you want to lead and you want to go, go, go. I'll tell you what, sometimes that's selfish ambition, but a lot of times that's the Holy Spirit working in your life and you just want to go move mountains. And I'll tell you what, whenever that starts burning inside of you, you go with it, man. You say, God, help me to go move this mountain. And that was Paul. I think he couldn't help himself. He was such a leader. He was so passionate. He wanted to do things for Jesus, and he started taking the lead. All right? And many of you, God wants you to be a leader. He wants you to lead. All right? So Paul and Barnabas went, as usual, into the Jewish synagogue. Now, I, you know, I can't help myself. Look, 
I've read one sentence and I've already interrupted myself three times and here goes the fourth time. I can't help it, all right? But look at this. It says, as usual, they went to the Jewish synagogue. You know what? There's a certain flavor that you have for reaching people that nobody else has, all right? Some people like their own little core group of friends and that's okay. Minister to your little core group of friends. Some people love going out and meeting new people and creating and building new relationships. You do what you do best, all right? Do it the way that God wants you to do it. Do it even inside, and I'm, I'm preaching the way most folks wouldn't. Do it inside your comfort zone, but always be willing to, to expand yourself, stretch yourself a little bit, but you do you. And that's what these guys did. They said, as usual, they went to the Jewish synagogue. That's the way they did things. That's what they'd found to be effective, and you need to do the same thing. It says there, they spoke so effectively that a great number of Jews and Greeks believed, both Jews and people who were non-Jewish. They were having great success outside of their Jewish circles. But the Jews who refused to believe stirred up other Gentiles, other non-Jewish folks, and poisoned their minds against the brothers. But look at this, the, the way these sentences work. I love this. It says, they poisoned their minds so, it doesn't say but, it said so, <laughs> Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. I'll tell you what, when you start getting opposition in your life, which you will, you start serving Jesus, you're going to have opposition. Have you experienced that yet? You know what opposition? You don't say, but, you say, so, I'm going to keep on going. <laughs> you're, I get a opposition, I'm not quitting. I'm not going to run away. I'm not going to hide I, so I continue, and that's what you see. These guys, it says, so Paul and Barnabas spent considerable time there. All right, you get opposition in the classroom. You get opposition in your marriage. You get opposition in a relationship. You get opposition up here in your brain. You start struggling. You say, no, I'm hanging in there. <laughs> I'm going to spend considerable time here because the opposition is informing me that God has a plan, and I'm not going to give up. You get that opposition of temptation, you know, that the same old raw temptations coming back to you saying, oh, this is a good sign. I'm in the right place at the right time, and I'm going to overcome this temptation that keeps, keeps pestering me, keeps messing with me. It says, so they spent considerable time there speaking boldly for the Lord. And as I was sitting there in this graduation yesterday, just thinking about, I know Jesus, and Jesus knows me. I, I was getting excited. I, I was like, I, I'm identified with Jesus Christ. I, you know what? If somebody, if that's a shameful thing, if that's an embarrassing thing, that's just flat out wrong. No, I'm excited that I am identified with Jesus. I'm part of his family. I'll tell anybody that. I'm not worried about what people think because I'm excited about being identified with the Lord Jesus Christ. So, look at this. It says, they spoke boldly for the Lord who confirmed messages, the message of His grace, by enabling them to perform signs and wonders. What's a sign and wonder? It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Now, not every miracle is going to be like a healing. Not every miracle is going to be a, a deliverance. There's just personal miracles where you hear God's voice, and that's a miracle. 
You, you have a change of perspective. That's a miracle. Your attitude shifts a little bit. That's a miracle. God is confirming his message of signs and wonders to you personally. Man, I'll tell you what, the fact that we're here sitting in church is a miracle. <laughs> He's confirming his presence, his goodness through signs and wonders. And so that's, I want to tell you what, that's what happens in the presence of God. I told you this morning, be a missionary and carry God's presence with you. Look at this. They had signs and, and wonders. That was a sign of God's presence in their life. God wants you to know he is with you. He wants you to know that he is with you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. The Bible says in Psalms 23, says, even in the darkest valley of the shadow of death, he is with me. Oh, you get up, you're having an office battle, a job, a problem at work. You say, no, no, God is with me. <laughs> I'm working 16, 17 hours a day. Oh, God is with me. I just had a fight with my spouse. God is with me. I'm getting pushed back from somebody. You know what? It's okay because God is with me. You see, it doesn't matter what you're going through because God is is with you and he's confirming it through wonderful signs and wonders. You're missing a little peace in your in your heart and he gives you some relief and some peace. He's with you. It's a sign of his presence. He's enabling there to be signs and wonders. Let's read on in verse 5. For the people of the city were divided. Some sided with the Jews, others with the apostles. And that's what's going to happen. I'll tell you what, the more of, of God's presence you have in your life, you're going to find there's divisions, uncomfortable divisions. Jesus say, said, I came. It's sad. It's, 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 uh, it shakes you up a little bit. He said, I came to divide families. Now, God isn't coming. He didn't come to divide families. But the fact of the matter is when somebody starts believing in Jesus, it's going to bring a divide. And, and we don't like that. We don't look for that. We don't enjoy that. But you know what? Whenever God shows up, it shows that there's light and that there's darkness. It shows that there's selfishness and selflessness. It shows that there's love and hate. It shows that there's good and evil. So expect, expect there to be division sometimes when you make a decision for Jesus Christ. Now, is God going to heal the land that, you're, that you want to come together? Absolutely. He will bridge the divide. He will bring things together. But don't give up just because there's a little bit of opposition. Don't give up just because there's a little bit of division. All right? It says, There was even a plot afoot amongst the Gentiles and the Jews together with their leaders to mistreat them and stone them, i.e. kill them, put them to death. But they found out about it and fled to the Lyconian cities of Lystra and Derbe, and to the surrounding country where they continued to preach the gospel. So let's read on about Lystra and Derby. So in Lystra, there was a man who was lame, and he had been there that way from, from birth and had never walked. He listened to Paul as he was speaking, and Paul looked directly at him and saw that he had faith to be healed. And I'll tell you, sometimes whenever I'm speaking up here, or speaking to somebody individually, I can see your faces. And sometimes I see faith. Sometimes I see 
Yeah, I'm getting it. Yeah, I want what he's talking about. Yeah, that's me. I know what he's talking about. I see faith, and you can do the same thing. If you'll start opening up your mouth and talking to people and sharing the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ, you'll see in their eyes if they're receptive. Some people aren't going to be receptive. Others are, but when you see a receptive faith face, go for it. <laughs> go for it, man. Say, do you want Jesus? And before you know it, you individually, you will be leading people to the saving grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. You will do it with God's help. He's the one that saves, but he uses you to touch people's lives. So be looking for an open face, a a face of faith that says, I want what you're talking about. I'll never forget. This was years ago. Unusual experience for me, but I had to fly down to Torreon, Mexico, all right? And I was down there. I got into a taxi. And I think it was my second taxi drive. I started talking to the taxi driver, and he told me that he had a, a, some physical problems. And I started just asking him one question after another question. And finally, it was like the last question. To, the only question to ask is, do you want to accept Jesus into your... I could, I could see only the back of his head, but his answers reflected that he had some faith inside of him, some hunger, some spiritual hunger. And so I finally, I said, do you, in Spanish, I said, do you want to ask Jesus into your heart? Because I'd already explained it to him. And I saw he kind of turned his head. And he said, yes, I do. <laughs> I mean, easy peasy. I wish everybody was this way, right? And so I said, well, let's pull off here and let's pray together man and so we pulled off and that man asked Jesus into his heart I'm telling you people are hungry for Jesus today they're hungry would you take the step and have the courage to begin to share your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ let the Holy Spirit use you in the workplace or at Walmart or wherever you go to touch people's lives if you will be a missionary you will carry God's presence with you you're not doing it by yourself you're doing it with God's help and I've actually been with some of you in a hospital room or or other places and I've seen your your faithfulness to the Lord and sharing who Jesus is to people. I tell you, you open your mouth, the presence of God is going to be right there with you. And he's going to convict that heart, not in a bad way. Conviction sounds bad, but that's that's what's spoken of in the, in the Bible is a conviction. It says, "I need God." <laughs> I, I have a conviction that I need God. I'll tell you what, you get, you get out there in the forefront of the battle that we're in, and you start talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, God's presence is going to show up, and He's going to make a difference in people's lives that you can't make yourself. All right, so uh, the city was divided. There was a plot. They went and preached. Oh, they, I'm sorry, they're in Lystra. And I'm, I'm going back to where I was before, all right? So he sees faith in this guy's, in this guy's face, and, and he says, stand up to your feet. And that man jumped up and began to walk. And I'm telling you, God wants to do miracles through you. I'm telling you, supernatural miracles through you. But we got to start taking a step of faith and say, I'm going to walk with Jesus. I'm going to walk on the forefront. I'm not going to hang back in timidity. He isn't giving me a, a spirit of timidity. He's giving me a spirit of power, of love, and of a sound mind. That's what the Bible tells us in 2 Timothy. All right? Don't be timid. Be used of God. Be used of God. 
All right, so the presence of God was there with Paul when this man was healed. Praise God. Be a missionary for Jesus, and the presence of God is going to accompany you. When the crowd saw that what Paul had done, they started shouting that he was some sort of God, and they, <laughs> they called Barnabas Zeus, and Paul was Hermes, two, uh, two mythical gods that they used to worship. And, and so, anyways, Paul and Barnabas and Paul, they, they heard this. They tore their clothes. They rushed out to the crowd shouting, Friends, why are you doing this? We two are only humans like you. We are bringing you the good news. We're telling you to turn from these worthless gods that you're trying to make us into. And, and he's the God who made heaven and earth and the seas and everything in them. In the past, he let all the nations go their own way, yet he has not left himself without testimony. He has shown kindness by giving you rain from heaven, crops for their seasons. He's provided plenty of food. They're pointing to how good the one true God is. Even with this words, though, they had difficulty keeping the crowd from sacrificing to them. Can you imagine? What an unusual, odd reaction for people to have. Then... It's like turn of events, and I want you to watch how fickle people are. Here's people trying to worship them. Some Jews come, as all of this is happening from the other towns that they'd been in, Antioch and Lyconium, they won the crowd over, and then they turned around and stoned Paul. I'll tell you what, you got to make up your mind in life. Whose praise are you going to chase after? Are you going to chase after God's praise or are you going to chase after human praise? If you chase after human praise, you're going to have a real fickle situation, man. People will love you one second, they'll hate you the next. But when we say, you know what, I'm not chasing human praise anymore. I'm chasing God's praise. I want him to be pleased with me. I want him to be happy with me. I want him to, to be uh, pleased with, with the way that I am. You can't go wrong seeking God's praise. You just can't go wrong. And you need to. You need to pursue God's praise because otherwise people are going to turn on you. Have you ever had somebody turn on you? One day they're your friend. The next day they're not your friend. <laughs> All right? You don't want that. You want God who is faithful to you. He's never going to leave you. He's never going to forsake you. His presence is going to go with you all day, every day. So they went ahead and stoned Paul. (laughs) They were trying to sacrifice to him. They stoned him instead. They drag him outside to the city thinking he's dead. But after the disciples gathered around him, I'm sure they prayed for him. He got up and he went back into that city he had just been stoned in. Man, what a... What a man. What a man of God. The next day, he and Barnabas left for Derby, a city that was even, even farther east. But look at this. When bad things happen to you, God's presence is still with you. You have something bad happen to you, God hasn't left you, all right? He's still with you. In fact, he's even with you more. When you're going, you're in that hospital bed, and you don't know what's going on, God is with you. When you've had just that argument with your spouse or a loved one, God is with you. You do something wrong, you look at the wrong thing, you do the wrong thing, you say the wrong thing, think the wrong thing, God is still with you. He won't leave you, he won't abandon you. Praise God. God is always with you. Be a missionary, though, and carry God's presence everywhere you go. Everywhere you go. Well, 
Let's read on. So they start making their way back. Do I, do I have a map on the next one? I can't remember if I do or don't. There we go. Yeah, yeah. So they're at this far eastern city of Derby, right there kind of in the middle, lower part of, of modern-day Turkey. And they start going back through the cities that they were at before. They, they'd literally left churches behind. They'd started churches and left them behind. Guess what? I want to be able to do that in El Paso. I want us, my biggest dream is for us to plant another church somewhere here in El Paso and then plant another church and plant another church. I believe churches get too big. I don't know, you might disagree with me. They get too big and people get lost in the crowd and, and it just gets unwieldy to have such a big church. I, I say once you reach a certain size, you break it up, say, oh, you're on the east side, go start a church over there. All right. Oh, you're in the Segundo Barrio. Let's go start a church over there. Oh, you're downtown. Let's get a church started down. Doesn't that, ex- doesn't that excite you? I'll tell you what, when the Holy Spirit starts getting a hold of our church, we're going to see it fill up and then we're going to go start churches, maybe even outside of El Paso. But that's what they were doing. They were planting churches and they were leaving these churches behind. And so this is kind of what happened here is they returned to Antioch in Syria They preached the gospel in that city and won a large number of disciples. They returned to Lystra, Iconium, and Antioch. You can kind of follow that through. Strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to the faith. And they said this, we must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of heaven. And I want want to make no bones about it. All right, being a Christian is hard. It is. Being a Christian is tough. You're going to have to make growing decisions as a Christian. Say, am I going to go to the next step or am I going to stay here forever? And you say, no, I'm willing to put in the tough effort that it takes, the cooperation of God that it takes to go to the next level with Jesus. And that's tough. That's rough, you know. And so he, he put, laid on the line. And I think a lot of times, you know, whenever you get a new job, if they say, hey, it's going to be easy street for you. You're going to love this job. You're not going to have to work very hard. You know, well, guess what? They're lying to you, all right? Because you're going to get into that job, and it's going to be a lot harder than you thought it was. In fact, we did this uh, analysis once for this company that was having high employee turnover. Turnover, and what we realized is they were, they were saying it was going to be easy for the, for the employees. They'd get in there for two or three or four months, and they'd quit because they had the, the job had been misrepresented to them. Well, so it is with a Christian. I'll tell you what, if you sign up for Jesus, I'm telling you up front, it's going to be challenging. But it's going to be fruitful. It's going to be exciting. You're going to see yourself grow. And I'll tell you what, you've got you to gotta kind of face the facts that it's going to be a little bit hard. But with God's presence on your side, you can get there. And it's going to be fulfilling and satisfying and joyful. And you're going to have benefits from heaven that you wouldn't have gotten from any other place. All right? God is with you even though life is tough. And the flip side of this is the Bible also tells us that the way of the transgressor is hard. All right? So you want hard being a Christian or do you want really hard being away from God? (laughs) You just kind of weigh it and say, you know, life is hard either way. I would rather do it with Jesus' help than to be out there trying to do it on my own and making my own decisions and making bad decisions in the process. So, but God's presence is going to be with you if you decide to go with Jesus, even through hardship. So Paul and Barnabas 
At each town, they're appointing elders. In other words, they're appointing pastors. They're saying, all right, you lead the church here. This is a group of Christians. You're going to be appointed to, to lead the church. They prayed and fasted. They committed these people in each of these towns and cities to the Lord in whom they had put their trust. And after going through Pisidia, they came to Pamphylia, these two cities they'd been through already. And when they'd preached the word in Perga, they went down to Italia. From Italia, they sailed back to Antioch. Remember, there's two Antiochs. There's Antioch and up in, in kind of modern-day Turkey, and the other one where they had started out at in Syria. And listen to this. I love this sentence here. Where they had been committed to the grace of God for the work they had now completed. That's a mouthful. They had been committed to the grace of God. And I want to tell you, you need to commit yourself to God's grace. You need to commit. Don't commit yourself to legalism and say, okay, the church has these rules, these do's and don'ts. I commit myself to the rules. No, I commit myself to the grace of God. The grace of God. We all tend to fall into religiosity. We all tend to fall into legalism, and we can't afford to do that. God has committed us into His grace. His grace that covers over every, every wrongdoing, every slip up. Every, you know, every uh, time you kind of backslide a little bit, you're committed into God's grace. People will ask this question. What if the last breath I sin, am I going to heaven or am I going to hell? And I would tell you what a stupid, dumb question that is. All right. When you give your heart to Jesus, you're committed into his grace. And the last thing God remembers is not your last sin. It's what he did for you on the cross. And let me tell you what, if, if you're walking in his direction, walking with Jesus, you're going to have slip-ups all the time. I do. I don't know. Maybe you're better off than I am, but I slip up all the time. And I tell you what, God's grace keeps me in his grip. It's like his grace is like somebody's slipping down into the marshes and they reach their hand up as a last ditch effort and and Jesus reaches down and he grips their wrist we need to grip his wrist back by the way but he grips their wrist and pulls him up I tell you what that's God's grace the grip of grace in fact there's a book written by Max Lucado the grip of grace and that's God he reaches down gets you by the nap of the neck he grabs your a limb of yours and he saves you That's the saving power of God. They were committed to God's grace, and they completed the work that God gave them. You have a work. Did you know that? You have a job. You have a task right now, right here, right now. Are you working on what God wants you to work on? We're talking about being missionary. Are you doing what God is telling you to do? Or are you distracted by a bazillion other things that have no bearing, no eternal consequence whatsoever figure out what God has called you to do as we talked about last Sunday and do that focus on that pay attention to that so on arriving there they gathered the church that the church that had sent them off to begin with they reported all that God had done through them and how he had opened a door of faith to the Gentiles the non-Jews and they stayed there a long time with the disciples so I tell you what it's time for us to be in the hot center of God's will. Hot center. Don't be on the fringe. Don't have one foot in heaven and one foot out of heaven. 
Don't be close to Jesus in one way and far, far away from Him in another. It's time for us to be excited about God's mission. God has called each one of us to be a missionary to the people that we come into contact with, the people we live with, all right? And, and when we do, God's presence will be very evident in our lives. Let me finish up with some scriptures here that I want to share with you that will hopefully be inspiring to us throughout the week. In Psalm 1611, it says, You make known to me the path of life. You fill me with joy in your presence. Every time you're close to God, you're going to be joyful. Un, I mean, in fact, if you are joyful, you can be sure that you're close to God. Well, then you say, Steve, well, I don't feel very joyful. Let's get close to God. Get back into his presence again, because it says here, in his presence, there's fullness of joy. Remember last week how we said, make it your highest ambition, your highest goal every day to get into God's happiness, to get your happiness from God. To to cut off your other sources of happiness and say, I'm getting happy, only my happiness from God. In Psalms 91, I love it, it says, Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the, excuse me, dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. You know how I used to know if I was close to my dad when I was a little kid, we'd be walking. If his shadow came over me, I knew that I was close to my dad. How close are you to Jesus? Are you so close to Jesus that his shadow is covering you? Think about that. Get close to Jesus. Draw as close to him as you possibly can. In his presence, we're talking about his manifest, sensed presence. All right? And then um, here's here's the other thing. The Bible says he'll never leave you or forsake you. The only way for God's presence to be far from you is for you to walk away from his presence. That's how, that's the only way it can happen is if you say, I'm not going to stick with Jesus. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to take my own identity. I'm going to be who I want to be. All right. You're going to get away from the presence of God. He didn't walk away from you. You walked away from him. That's why the Bible tells us in John 15, it says, abide in him. Stay close to him. Be conscious of what it means to be close to God. God isn't ever going to leave you. You're the only one that can leave God. And there's times whenever you're troubled, you're, you're having difficulties, and, and God tries to comfort you. He tries to give you peace, and you say, no, I don't, I don't accept your comfort. I refuse your comfort. In fact, there's a, a prophecy in the Bible that says, Rachel refused to be comforted. Because in this prophecy, her children had had been taken from her, and she refused to be comforted. When God comforts you, accept his comfort. Accept his comfort. Say, God, you're comforting me. I still have the problem, but if you're going to comfort me, I will accept your comfort. Accept God's peace. In Deuteronomy 31.6, Moses tells Joshua, he says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified of them, as in people. For the Lord your God goes with you. You go to work, God is going with you. You go to the doctor, God is going with you. You know, you got to go make a tough call or be in a tough meeting. God is with you. He goes with you everywhere you go. I love that. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. In Psalms 118, 6 through 7, I love that the psalmist says this, The Lord is with me. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? The Lord is with me as my helper. I look in triumph over my enemies. Isn't that wonderful? The Lord is with me. 
I'm not going to stress out about people anymore. I'm not going to be scared of people anymore. What can they do to me anyways? I'm not going to worry about what people think. I'm not going to worry about what people think they can do to me. I have God on my side. Isn't that wonderful? God is on your side if you are on God's side. (laughs) All right, isn't that wonderful? Here's the last one in Isaiah 43. I've been meditating on this 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 week. It says, but now, and I believe this is, I believe Maggie is on the line with us today, and this is one of her favorite scriptures. Uh, it's in Isaiah 43. It says, but now this is what the Lord says. He who created you, Jacob, and you can put your name there, all right? Let's say your name's Mike, all right? And you say, he who created you, Mike, he who formed you, Mike, <laughs> do not fear, for I have redeemed you. In other words, I bought you away from your oppressiveness and your depression and your sickness. I bought you away from all of that stuff, from your financial lack. I bought you away from all of that slavery that comes with that. He says, I've summoned you by name. You are mine. When you pass through the waters, I will be with you. When you pass through the rivers, they will not sweep over you. How many of you struggle with being overwhelmed with life? Overwhelmed. All right. I imagine the vast majority of us. It says here that when work sweeps over us, it won't, it, it can't sweep over. Why? Because God is with you. You might feel overwhelmed, but you aren't overwhelmed because Jesus is right there with you. When, when you're overwhelmed by a financial struggle, he's with you. You're not going to be swept away by it. It's not going to be a disaster for you. Did you know that? Your life is not going to end in disaster. That's for somebody today. Your life is not going to end in financial disaster. God is with you. And he's going to take care of your needs. When you walk through the fire, you will not be burned. Why? Because God is with you. The flames will not set you ablaze. Remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? They were thrown into the fiery furnace because they wouldn't worship the God that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. They went into that blazing furnace and they came out not even smelling like smoke. I'll never forget, and I've, I've told you this one before, God shows me things kind of in pictures and through experiences and whatnot. And I was having, many years ago, I was having a struggle at work, and I, I felt like the waves were coming over me, just like a surfer is on the, the, that wave, and they're surfing, and you see the, the, the curl of the wave come over them, and they disappear, and you think, uh-oh, they are donezo, man. They're, they're finished. And all of a sudden, as that hole is closing, all of a sudden you see the surfer come flying out, and they're, they're riding that wave, and, and God showed me, said, it feels like it's covering you, but you're going to come out with flying colors. And I'm telling you today, man, whatever you're going through, the waves are coming over you. It says you won't be swept away. You're going to come out on the other side with flying colors because Jesus, his presence is with you. A lot of people are going to say, it's the end for you. No, it's not. It's just the beginning And God is going to accelerate you. You're going to go farther, faster, and higher than you could have ever dreamed with the presence of God on your side. God is awesome, man. It says, for I'm the Lord, your God. I am the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Do you claim God as your God, by the way? It's very important. This only applies if you claim God as your God. And you say, not only Lord, not only Savior, but Lord as well. I give you control over my life over my identity, over, over the way people perceive me. I'm not worried about what people think. 
He's my Lord and my Savior. I give you Egypt as your ransom, Cush and Seba as your stead. Since you are precious and honored in my sight, I want you to listen to me very carefully. You are precious in God's sight. You are honored in God's sight. And you say, well, I'm not a good person. I messed up. It doesn't matter. If you, were, if you belong to Jesus, you are precious to him. Daniel, Daniel of the Bible, was praying, and, and he had a vision where an angel came and spoke to him, and the angel addressed him as highly esteemed. And I'm telling you, I want to share something. I want to speak something to you today. You are highly esteemed by God. My kids are my kids. I love them with all my heart. And because they're my kids, they are highly esteemed by me, even when they're boogers, all right? Even when they were bad as little kids, I still highly esteem them. God highly esteems you. You're his child. He looks at you waking up in the morning. He's so proud of you. He thinks you're wonderful. He thinks you're awesome. He sees the gifts that he's placed in your life, the talents that you have, the joy that you have, the the hard work that you put into things. God highly esteems you. He honors you. You are precious to God. Remember when our our kids were waking up, the little infants or toddlers, and they have a little drool coming out of their mouths as they were just waking up. And you know what? They brought me such pleasure as they woke up. When you wake up in the morning, you bring pleasure to God just by waking up. Your life is worship to the Lord. Your very breath, just living, is worship to the Lord. You bring God pleasure by who you are. It's a wonderful thought. He says, you're precious, you're esteemed. And these are my words here. You're highly esteemed. You're beloved. Remember John, the disciple who lay on Jesus. And, and five times in the book of John, he referred to himself as the disciple who Jesus loved. And you need to do the same thing. You need to say, I'm the one that Jesus loves. We don't brag about how much we love God. We brag about how much God loves us. Isn't that wonderful? Man, I tell you what, you say, I'm the one that God loves. <laughs> I want you, I challenge you to do that this week. As you go, as you're studying, you're working, you're doing whatever, you say, I'm the one that God loves. I'm the one that God loves. All right, he says, I will give people in exchange for you, nations in exchange for your life. But look at this, do not be afraid. I am with you. I am with you. I'll tell you what, be a missionary and just carry God's presence everywhere you go. I'm going to finish this last last statement right here. You go ahead and throw it up. It says, make God's mission your mission. Make God's mission your mission. Stop coming up with your own goals and New Year's resolutions and blah, blah, blah. No, say, God, what is your mission? I want to make that my mission. And God is going to be with you in a way you've never, ever experienced him before. Let's pray. Thank you.